I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is David. He has cerebral palsy. Let's talk about it. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm so fucking excited to be sitting here with our new friend, David, all the way from Calgary. Uh, David, I, I want to give you a moment to introduce yourself <clears throat> to our listeners, but uh, what I have on the, on the call sheet here, I love this. David is a proud, queer, disabled artist living in Calgary. Uh, David, we got connected on social media, on the good old sure Instagram, did. and so glad that we did. Uh, take a moment Give our listeners a little bit, bit of insight into who David is. Yeah, so I, I, um, I came out at the tender age of uh, <clears throat> 31, so I'm still fairly new to the whole community. Whoa. And, yeah, so I'm kind of I'm learning a lot as I go along and kind of embracing who I really am. And uh, <clears throat> through that, I was able to... Uh, rediscover my uh, passion for art and um, get more comfortable with my CP. Wow. Okay. I, you know what, David, I have to say, first of all, happy pride. We're in the midst of pride month. I don't know when this episode's coming out, but I'm going to, I'm going to make sure it does come out this month because that would, that would uh, not quite fit if it didn't. Uh, Happy pride. Secondly, coming out at 31, that's, I, I mean, We've spoken to a number of people in the, in the LGBTQ plus community on this podcast, but in my other podcast, uh, we also speak to quite a, quite a few people in that community. And, yeah. and I don't think we've, we've really talked to many people who have come out so late in their life. Um, I, I mean, I, obviously we'll get to you and your life living with, with cerebral palsy, but yeah. before we do, I am curious to know like how... How much of a struggle was was just living your everyday life um, in the closet for such a long period of time? Man, it was uh, it was hell on earth, um, mm. and I it, it was a kind of a self um, inflicting for me because I knew that no one around me would have a problem with me coming out. I. I just didn't want to be labeled as the dude in the chair who was also gay. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And how old are you now, David? 33. Okay, so it's been a, a ba- couple of years. Still a baby. Yeah. Still just a two-year-old gay. A, a baby gay. <laughs> <laughs> a little pup. A little gay Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, congratulations for, for taking that big step. Because Thanks that's, so much, man. that's obviously... Um, that's all. It obviously takes a lot of courage, especially like I feel like it takes a, a lot of courage regardless. But I, I, I mean, there's something to be said for the amount of courage that it takes for going that far into your life 
closeted and then and then making the decision as a as mm. a you know a full grown adult to do that. Well, um, David, I imagine what, it gets what, harder and harder as you get yeah, older, right? Yeah. Totally. D- David, for you, um, like like what was it at age thirty one that that because I imagine the the longer that you go, um, sort of shoving that down and and not acknowledging that it is truly who you are, it becomes harder and harder for that to come out. So what what was it at age 31 that um, made you feel that that was the right time to come out? Well, I think um, the defining moment for me was um, seeing my sister get married to her now wife and seeing how happy um, they are together and... Um, you know, I think we're all looking for whether we want to admit it or not. We're we're all looking for that other half. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's where that stemmed from. Is like I I needed to accept who I was and uh, accept that I was worthy enough for. for you know, true love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How was the how was the reception with like friends and family for, with the, with coming out? Yeah, like, like I said, my my family and my friends were were amazing. It was it was it was me that had the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so it was it was a lot of it was a lot of internal struggle and a lot of <clears throat> sleepless nights and a lot of um, you know, suicidal thoughts and mm. <clears throat> go, going <clears throat> down that whole journey. Mm. Um, I, so really, it would it would all it would all build up in my own head. I mean, you you mentioned there that you know that your that your sister um, um, that your sister is gay and 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 that obvi- like obviously. So, you know, like you said, your friends and family were amazing. And obviously with, with your sister being gay, it's not like that's going to be, you know, something that is a, a bombshell with people because, you know, there's, there's that, that's already, that's already present in the, in your immediate, in your immediate family. And, um, and so like when you said that about, about being the, the guy in the chair, who's also gay, yeah, like, obviously there's a lot of, there's a lot to unpack there with like, the way that, the way that anybody who lives with an illness and Jer and and you can speak to this and anybody who, um, you know anybody who is who's finding themselves like marginalized in any in any way shape or form is is feeling about is feeling about labels mm. and yeah. like how and how obviously averse you felt to like adding on another label and. Yeah. Um, so obviously the first label that I'm assuming the first label that you're, that you're dealing with and that you've dealt with, um, for your whole life is, is CP. How, yeah. how, um, like how, how has the label of CP played into your life? Because on our show, we talked to a lot of people and, 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 you know, th- there's aspects of, of the things that they live with that, that, 
that really make them who they are in, in a lot of ways and, and, and make them, you know, the strong, resilient person that they are, but also has like plagued them in certain ways and, 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 and really, um, affected them adversely in a lot of ways. So what is, like, what is CP to you and how have you, what, what is like early days, David, um, growing up with CP like? Uh, um, well, the, the thing with CP, obviously I've had it all my life. So it's, it's nothing, nothing new. Um, but it still fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, so it's, it's just, um, it's just a matter of realizing your, your limitations pretty early on and, and being okay with, you know, those limitations and, um, you know, I, I think when you have any sort of illness and disability, you learn to kind of put things away and kind of grow, grow up really fast. And I think mm. for me, um, even from a very early age, I had a very, um, um, intimate understanding with, with my own mortality Mm. and the fact that, you know, I'm not going to live to be an old man Mm. and, um, sure. sure, Any, any of us, like our, our time can come at any time, but for those of us who have to deal with any sort of extra, you know, circumstances, Mm. we know it's coming. Mm -hmm. What, like, what did, what did that mean for you coming, becoming so, um, close with your, the idea of your own death? Like, is it, was it something that was, was always scary or was it something that you sort of came to terms with and accepted? Uh, Honestly, uh, the more I talked about it and the more I talked about the fact that I am going to die, kind of took away um, the the fear behind it. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I, at the, at this at this point, I feel like I'm, um, and I don't know if that's healthy or not, but I I feel like I'm um, I'm st- sticking around for everyone else and mm. <clears throat> for. For me, that's okay. Mm-hmm. I, I'd like to, I'd like to kind of dig into your experience with CP. Um, uh, before we do, maybe maybe just give a little bit of uh, background into what cerebral palsy is for, you know, maybe any new listeners that that have kind of come on board and haven't heard the past conversations that we've had that have covered cerebral palsy. Yeah. So it's a it's a. Um, it's a disorder that typically happens at birth. So it's basically to do with lack of oxygen at birth or shortly thereafter. And it can range from, you know, having just a small limp or, you know, being a full-time wheelchair user like I am, or um, it can also come with severe um, cognitive delays as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a really wide 
spectrum of of um crap basically yeah it is it, crazy how 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 wide how wide ranging it is I've, it I, is no, yeah. no one i've ever met with cp has ever had a had it the same as the, as yeah. anybody else it's always yeah. it's always completely unique it's, a, it's quite a spectrum mm-hmm. I, is is using a, a power chair something that that you've been familiar with uh your entire life david or or uh, is it something that progressed eventually uh as you aged and and something that was required later in life no, like I, I was in a manual chair up until the age I was three or four, and then I learned how to drive. Um, you know, this beast, and I, I ran over a few toes and a few, a few soccer balls and rolled down some hills, and I, I finally figured that out. So, what's, what is what's it the gnarliest wheelchair accident <laughs> yeah. you've ever had? Uh, well, it was actually a, a few years ago. I, I slipped on a hill, and I just hit some um, black ice, and I, I ended up with a grade two con- concussion. Oh, oh shit. Fuck. Do, do you have to put winter tires on that puppy or what? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> probably, chains on the wheels. Get some tread I'm on there. Because when I tipped over, they were pretty bald. So yeah, right. Yeah. What does it you, What does it look like you gotta, when you're? You got to stop doing donuts. That's the, yeah, the fucking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What does it look like uh, when you are like when you're a kid and you wipe in your wheelchair? What is like? What is the level of freak out from from uh, from your parents? Like, is there just like an unprecedented or, or, level or from of shrieking? strangers too? You yeah, know, like, especially from like, strangers. I mean, fuck, you see a kid go down in a wheelchair and you're a stranger. I, I think that there would also be a, a level of freak out. Uh, hell yeah. Well, I, I I honestly don't think they know what to do. They just kind kind of are shell shocked and they and they want to help, but they're they're afraid to. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just all a matter of <laughs> making sure I'm alive and conscious and mm. like, I'll take care of the rest. <laughs> have yeah. you, um, have you, um, oh, I just totally lost my train of thought there. I, go, I did want to, I did want to ask about, because, um, I, I'm curious about, especially for people who are, who are born with. Um, an illness, especially one that is is not um, an invisible illness. Um, yeah. When at, at what point, or do you remember the first time when you actually became conscientious of the fact that your life was going to look a little bit different than the majority of people around you? I well, I mean, the, the very first time is like probably the earliest memory was in <clears throat> gym class. And, you know, the teacher said, okay, everybody run laps. And then I just remember thinking, well, I'm, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I think the older I get, the more, um, I guess, I, the more I realize how much, CP does affect my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, honestly, I started noticing a steady decline in my health probably around 25, 26, where, mm-hmm. uh, where it really got to the point where uh, I thought, 
<clears throat> man, this is gonna this is gonna suck. You know. Yeah. Like what does that look like? That that decline in health. Like when that started, what what was the? How did that? How did that manifest? Um, you you mean how how did it? Like was there a <clears throat> defining moment or? Well, I I more so I mean like when you when you say decline like, um when I when when I started to notice a decline in my health probably around the same age. It was very. It was a very obvious decline in health. In that, my lung function began to drop on a, at a significant rate every couple of months. Right. Um, and so, I guess what I'm curious about is, like, physically, um, and and maybe even mentally, what 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 was happening to your body that made you realize, oh, my health is declining. Like, what does that mean to you? I, I mean, you know, muscles will get stiffer and. <clears throat> pain that I never had before hmm. would suddenly, you know, creep in and nobody can really figure out where the pain was coming from and why it was happening. And, um, you know, I, ha- I had to <coughs> start, um, you know, medication to help with like bladder spasms, which I never <coughs> had a problem with before. Uh, so like, all the all the meds kind of changed and mm-hmm. and the minute I started um, uh, relying on meds it's the day that I knew that things were gonna be right different for me yeah mm-hmm. that that that's something I was hoping we could kind of touch on for a bit is like your your struggles with chronic pain um, yeah and I, I is is that something that is like a like an like a daily struggle, or or is it does it wax and wane? I mean, it's a, it's a daily struggle, but the the severity of pain varies from day to day. But pain is always there, um, so you just kind of learn learn to deal with it. But then there's some days where I I can barely, I can barely move or like my, my chest gets all tight so I can't talk properly. Mm. So it it just, it just really depends on the day. Mm. If you, if you were going into like triage in an ER and they were to ask you like on a scale of one to 10, how much pain are you experiencing? What would you, what would you answer on a daily basis? It it's always around uh, seven or eight. Whoa, really? Yeah. Fuck. And, and how? Where, like, where do you like? Where does that pain show up in your body? Well, uh, the the first um, thing that I really started to notice um, was in my knees, and and um, th- that happened probably around twenty seventeen, and. Um, they actually had to, <clears throat> to go in and re- remove both of my <clears throat> kneecaps. Oh, my because God. Whoa. The, yeah, because the kneecap uh, joint was um, sitting four inches higher out of the sock 
Oh, are you sure that you weren't like, like, was it, is it possible that the week before you were gambling on like a big sporting event and then that's why they removed your kneecaps? Because (laughs) I I feel like that's the only time I was threatened in my life. Did you owe somebody money? (laughs) My kneecaps would be removed. I I always owe everybody money. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck, that's, that sucks. How did you? That is pretty wild. Like, sorry, Tay, just, just to, just to touch on that, that kneecap thing is, yeah. Yeah. Like, how the fuck do your kneecaps? How does that happen? How do your kneecaps move at such a large distance? Is that just like a, a byproduct of, of CP? Like your, your bone structure morphing and shifting, you know, involuntarily? Yeah, and, and you know, the muscles get tighter, so it, it kind of pulls um, everything kind of out of place. And Whoa. yeah, so you, you just have to kind of maintain it for as long as you can and then um more often than than not um surgery is inevitable for for anyone that has cp Mm -hmm. in terms of like um mentioning before that you sort of had to become um more i guess build like this closer relationship with your own mortality at a, at a young yeah. age. And then now later in life, you know, after 25 years old, you start to see this decline in, in health. Do you have any idea of like what the average, like what your average life expectancy would be? And then how does like, does this start to change the way you feel about your mortality as you start to notice this decline in health? From, from what I know, there's no average age, mm-hmm. but I, I just, this is going to sound like hippie and, you know, full of crap, but I can, I can just <clears throat> tell internally <clears throat> that I, I know that I'm not going to live to be an old, old yeah. guy. And for me, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> um, from how I felt when I was like 16 to 25, it was such, <clears throat> it was such a dramatic shift and so honestly i don't want to really think about what i'm going to be like when i'm 60 or 70 right it's it's interesting because like i think of i think of weirdly my relationship (laughs) with jeremy's mortality and how Mm. you know like i live in this very naive world where like jerry's and and maybe maybe rightly so because of like, you know, medications like Trikafta that for cystic cystic fibrosis could basically um, not reverse, but put on hold the effects that cystic fibrosis wreaks on his body. And if he got that medication, like there's a good chance that he could live a very long and healthy life. Um, But without that, like the life expectancy when Jeremy was born was just over 30 years old. Not even. And, uh, uh, yeah, that's right. And so, so like for me, I look at Jared and I go, Oh, well he's, you know, he's just healthy like me. Like he's, he's not yeah. going to die a shorter life. But when there's moments where, when Jared gets sick, where it starts to like remind me like, Oh, he lives with this illness that does affect his life in this way. And, and like, it is something that I, I do think about in a different way during those times. But right. when he's, you know, healthy and feeling good, it doesn't, doesn't come up for me. I guess, Jerry, like, how did, like, how do you, how do you 
does that does that change the way that you feel about it or because you live with it or have lived with it your entire life is it does it like change in those moments when you get sick um yeah i don't know i mean i, f- I feel like i've talked to, about this at length like through through my 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 talks and and through the podcast but like you know kind of like uh like you david like the more i've the more i i conceptualize death the more i talk about my own mortality the more I'm able to just um, let go of the, the, you know, the, the uh, crippling fear, no pun intended there, um, that that comes with that. And, and it, it, you know, it's, it's my way of managing, it's my way of managing my own, my own inevitable death. But again, we're, we're all going to die. Yeah. But it, it is those moments where I do get, when I, you know, when I do get slammed with like a, pneumonia or something that I go, Oh fuck. Yeah. Right. This is uh, this is probably faster approaching than, than I yeah. tend to remember. And I, I think what people, I, I don't know if they like tend to forget, but like you, you just said it, like we're, we're all going to, we're all going to yeah. die. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just, some of us are going to die quicker than, you know, other yeah. people. And, and yeah. that's just the way the world is. And, um, the more we can kind of, kind of normalize that conversation and accept that that's going to happen and, mm. you know, <clears throat> grab life by the balls and just make the most of it, yeah. then, um, then there's tremendous power in that, yeah. in that mind mindset. And I, I should say, I should say tail, I'll let you go here, but, but just, just before we do, I, um, speaking of life expectancy, and this is something that I didn't know, but um, uh, according to cerebralpalsyguide.com, which is all about cerebral palsy and people living with it, uh, patients with cer- severe cerebral palsy tend to have significant mobility and or intellectual limitations. For this reason, these individuals have a 40% chance of living to 20 years old. So, you know, one, one of the things that I've, I've said in, in my talks is like, I've always thought that I, I always thought that 30, like, I, you know, I'd be lucky if I reached 30 and anything after yeah. 30 is like, that's bonus time. And, and, you know, according to these statistics, it, it seems like David, you yourself, like you are, you're, you're, you're in the midst of your bonus time, you know, like you, you, <sighs> you beat the odds and, and you're, you're still here. Um, and I think there's, there's like, some people might hear that and and feel a little bit, uh, bummed out, but I I think there's some, I think there's something very, very empowering about that and very, very exciting. But the other thing is that it's like CP affects people in such a varying way that it's probably like the reason why David, you said that there, there isn't really, or they don't really give you an average life expectancy is because it's so the spectrum of how it affects people is so vast. Mm. It, it, yeah, it's so broad. And, and, you know, I think the fact that like, Jeremy, I think for for you and I, I think the fact that we're on borrowed time here, I think it, it kind of reframes my perspective and says, well, okay, I, I, I got to make, the most of it and that mm-hmm. that was another reason why I wanted uh, you know I came up when I did because I was like fuck I, I don't want to spend the rest of my days 
being a um, miserable straight dude. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hard life. It yeah. really is miserable. <laughs> Jerry, you should think about it. Maybe you'd be uh, much happier if you <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. started sucking a bunch of dicks. <laughs> they're, they're, they're always rumpering on our side, man. <laughs> Everybody's a little bit gay, man. <laughs> Are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice? It's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. You said it a few minutes ago when you said, you know, we're all, we're all going to die. And I think that, I think that people who live, um, people who live with, uh, conditions and illnesses and diseases and whatnot, you know, especially if it's going to shorten their lives and, and they live with it for a long time, you know, like in, in your, yours, your case and Jeremy's case, some, something that you live with from the day you're born, um, there's something like inherently beautiful about it because like, because it seems like people who live that, who, who live with those things, they, they face mortality in a much more, it seems broadly speaking, face it in a much more healthy way because they are forced to think about it more early, more often. And then, and thus like develop a relationship with it where people who don't, although very much still going to die, just tend to avoid it and put it off <laughs> until the very end, and then it's and then you know they just lose their shit and freak out, and death is a the living nightmare. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like, was there a moment for you? Like, was there a time where where you remember your your relationship to mortality changed? Where you know it 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 was like really scary and freaked you out in this way, and not that it still can't, because I'm sure it does, and it does for me too, and it oh, does yeah, for all totally. of us. But, but like, was there a moment where you where you started to feel your relationship to mortality shift to one where you where it was like one of more general acceptance and understanding? Um, or is it just yeah, something that's yeah. built into you? I, 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 like, it's hard to it's hard to put a you know age or a, a, a defining moment on it because I, I think it's just something that you're you're always kind of reminded of, you know, and you're always kind of um like I I I can never really think of the future because honestly like I'm I'm sure my future is gonna be great and it's gonna be amazing but <laughs> to to say I'm gonna do all, all these and you know things by a certain you know, time period, it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So I, I think for me, it's like knowing that the future is still available to me, but if it, if it doesn't happen, then, you know, I shouldn't be disappointed about it because, mm. you know, I lived a pretty blessed life up in Till now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I'd love to, I'd love to dive into your work as an artist, David. Um, uh, what, uh, what kind of art, what's, what's your medium? What is, what, what does art mean to you? 
So uh, my my I guess my medium of choice is um, abstract, and I primarily work with acrylic. Um, uh, so it's it's just all about art for me, and for everyone, it's all a matter of um, you know what what you how you view art and what art means to you. So having something that's simple um, be that powerful is kind of the great thing about being an artist because everything is so subjective. Mm-hmm. What what was it, David, that... that uh made you first interested in art? Is it something that you've been interested in your entire life? I mean, I, I always kind of had a creative flair for it, but I, I think it kind of um, took off um, really when the pandemic hit because <clears throat> I needed um, some sort of creative outlet to... Um, to deal with the isolation and the depression that came along with, you know, not being able to see anyone. Mm -hmm. So I think it, it just came out of necessity really. I I hear that so much. It's interesting because, uh, I feel like I grew up, um, as, as, um, where my, my passion was filled with, um, sports and activities all the time. So, um, right. a- any like extracurricular was, you know, soccer or canoeing or this and that. And, uh, and as I started to, to get older in life and, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old and st- started, um, or stopped taking part in organized team sports and training sessions. Um, I started to realize that all of my pastimes have been filled with these like athletic endeavors but like there was this whole area of arts and creating different things that that I actually truly felt um, passionate about in a way that that I didn't when it came to playing these sports. Yeah. Um, but I felt like I felt for a long time that you know because I didn't do it at a younger age, then it, it then I couldn't be a professional at it because um, I hadn't invested enough time in it. But the more mm-hmm. I started to realize it's kind of, I, I was making this analogy, I think maybe on the podcast the other day where I was talking about um, the reasons why Taylor and Jeremy and I got into uh, practicing yoga. And for me, when I started practicing yoga, it was like very much about like um, fitness and getting in shape and burning calories. Right. But then I started to realize that there was like this whole other side of um understanding the philosophy of it and understanding the therapeutic benefits of it, understanding the mental benefits of it. And that's what started to grab my attention. Um, but if (laughs) it kind of makes me look back on my life and go, man, I wish I wouldn't have played, played, spend so much fucking time trying to (laughs) score goals on nets and making more art. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
But I, I, I guess, I don't know. I guess I'd Then you would have just become then. an athlete in your training <laughs> in your 30s, though. I wish I, I would have been, I could have gone pro uh, if I didn't spend so much time drawing. But I guess for you, like, has art always been this? sort of therapeutic endeavor that has like really sort of come out during the pandemic or, or did you, did it only really resonate with you in that therapeutic sense during COVID-19? Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it was, it was always there, but it was never, um, it was never at the forefront because for, for a long time being, being in, in the closet for as long as it was, I also wasn't very happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I, I wasn't able to um, kind of unlock that creative side and, and kind of give into it a hundred percent. And let's be clear: by like by no means am I am I a professional artist. I do, it's just something I picked up on a kind of a mental health hmm. necessity, and and it, you know people tend to gravitate towards it and it turns out that I'm not altogether shitty at it. I want to, I, I want to push back a little bit on what you just said there about, about how by no means are you not, uh, a, a professional artist because uh, I, I think you are, okay. I, I really, I really do think you are. I'm on, I, you know, I'm on your website here right now and folks, like if you're listening to this and you have a computer handy or, or, you know, you have a free hand, pick up your phone and just check out sixwheelpaintingco.com. That's the number six, wheelpaintingco.com. Your, your art is, is fucking beautiful. Like it, is re- it really is astounding. And you're selling your art. You're selling your art to people who, who That's the definition. People who, that is the definition of a professional <laughs> artist. I mean, there's, there's, also, there's also, it's not just that. Like it, visually, it's not just beautiful, but like, I hope I hope uh, it's okay that I pump your tires here a little bit because there's the, the one I'm looking at is. Puzzle I'm not pieces. gonna do it. Yeah, yeah okay, great. I'll do it for uh, you, dude. I was just looking at that one. It's yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah, puzzle pieces. Um, it's it's. I mean, the colors I are like the colors. are fucking gorgeous, and it really is really pretty. But but not just visually is it stunning. The write up that you've you've placed with it to give it meaning to give you know the the a potential buyer the meaning behind your art. Is, yeah. is really, there's something really poetic and, and beautiful about this. It says, these three paintings were reminiscent of a puzzle and how puzzles are a metaphor for our own lives. We are all looking for our other half, filling the void with pieces that don't fit. I know I'm not alone when I say we are all looking for that one piece of the puzzle that will make our world complete. If you are lucky enough to discover the color and fill the void of darkness, treasure it. Like that, you, you know, you're... I just, I, I, I'm, I really am like, just, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I'm a, I am a, a big fan of your art and I'm, I'm really, I don't know how, how I stumbled upon your, your social media, but I'm so glad that I did because, um, I, again, like I say, I'm, I'm a huge fan. And I think this, this is a really great place to kind of segue into a question from one of our patrons. Um, Anne had written in, she knew we were going to be talking to you today, and she asks, uh, it's, a, it's kind of a two-parter, uh, does having CP inform and inspire your art, or is, it, is art a chance to separate from the CP and live in the moment artistically? 
it's, I think it's just, um, it's, it, it all depends on what I'm doing. I mean, art, um, by its very nature, is an escape from, from, from your reality. But um, the, the reason I am who I am is because I have CP. So of, of course, um, of course, that's gonna trickle in there somewhere. But mm-hmm. um, it, it, it's it's definitely an outlet. It's definitely an escape. But um, <clears throat> CP and you know all the things that go along with it are always <clears throat> they always go into whatever I do. Mm-hmm. What is it about? It, sorry, go ahead, Jerry. If no, you're no, gonna go stay, if it, I was gonna ask, like, what the the I'm I'm just curious, and this is more of like a philosophical question for, for um, you know for for any of us to chime in on, but you know the the pandemic isolation in general, um, it, it 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 triggers reflection. I think it triggers a lot of reflection in all of us, and it seems to it seems to it seems to trigger the artistic um the artistic edge in a lot of us like you know you said you said there david that like this you know art you've done art but it really kind of picked up during during the pandemic um um you know we've we've talked about this at length uh in uh, on our own um bo burnham released a special the other day that he created like exclusively throughout the the pandemic which is like a total fucking masterpiece mm-hmm. um i, I know re- right? I, I saw like, those they were amazing totally yeah. nuts i was reading the other day that 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 uh shakespeare wrote um i can't remember i think it might have been king lear during uh the plague um and when he was in total isolation um Ooh, and i just kind of like these stole king lear <laughs> while he was uh, in isolation he stole king lear yeah that's right <laughs> isn't there and, uh isn't there a conspiracy that shakespeare wasn't even a real person yeah yeah. <laughs> really? Oh, like Homer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I'm just curious. Wait, like, wh- wait, what do you? Wait, Homer's not real. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Jury's out. Um, like, what? What? I don't know. What do you? What do you guys think? What do you guys think is like the? Is the? Is the? Is it? Is it just? The, is it just the nature of of how of how much being by yourself triggers triggers reflection? I mean, for the good and the bad. I, I. I strongly feel that um, I feel like the some of the best art always comes from a place of pain, and so like struggle and hardship is what produces beautiful art. Mm. <clears throat> not not always, and that's like I don't think that that's that, yeah. like that that is the the one secret ingredient that that informs art in a way that makes it good. But I do think that a lot of the best art that we've ever witnessed comes from a place that is steeped in pain. So but, like an example would be think of moonlight, right? Like a, a, a an unbelievable, beautiful story that is told mm-hmm. through, through film. And that comes from a place of a lot of deep, deep pain, a lot of hardship. But, and I think that <clears throat> for us to go through what we've gone through over the last year and a half, um, we, we will, this is something that I thought about like early days of COVID, but I was, one of the things that I, that, and this will sound fucked up, but one of the things that really excited me about COVID 
was how it was going to affect art in the future. Like, mm-hmm. what, how is this going to inform <clears throat> the comedy that we watch? How is this going to inform the visual art that we like to look at? How is this going to inform poetry? How is this going to inform music? Um, and, and so, yeah, I think that, I think that like, again, it's not, it's not the secret sauce, but I think a lot of times hardship and struggle is one of the most valuable assets to creating art that has deep significant meaning for a lot of people. I I, I agree, but I also, what I think is the secret sauce is, is genuine, raw, emotional, um, expressions of emotion. So all emotions in their purest, purest and most exaggerated form. So when you go through these like really intense feelings of pain, and those come out in, in various forms of art, no matter what form it is. It's it's really beautiful because it's so vulnerable and real. But like you can have somebody expressing art, um, their their sense of happiness through art, and like this like sense of like pure elation and joy that comes out in this equally beautiful, in these equally beautiful forms of art. But because it's so pure again, like. Like, David, you talked about um, art being the sense of, like, self-expression. And I think that that's, like, you want to talk about somebody becoming a professional artist? If you're able to express your true, authentic, genuine self through any form of art, you can be a professional selling that shit. Because it is hard to come across authenticity and vulnerability Mm -hmm. in those artistic forms in this day and age. Man, I I was... was Try and be humble like 10 minutes ago, but I guess what, what you're saying is I'm fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> how does, that is what we're saying. How, how, um, what does it look like? Like, what's your process with creating these paintings? I, I can imagine it's not, it's, it's a little bit different from somebody who, who is not using a power chair, someone who is uh, not um, uh, physically disabled the same way that you are. Like, when you when you sit down with a with a canvas and and paint, um, is it is it a challenge to get across the the you know the image that you're trying to create because of because of your cerebral palsy? Well, first of all, I'm always sitting down, so that's always a thing. <laughs> uh, but, yep. but I I, I think uh, <clears throat> for me, if I can use um, CP. Um, like the side effects of SCP to, to my advantage, um, then I'll do that. Like, so one of the biggest things for me is I have a high <clears throat> startle reflex. So a lot of times I'll just <clears throat> turn on like a really loud music and <clears throat> just um, hold the um, brush to, to the canvas and let... Um, CP do the work mm-hmm. because so it's, the it's, oh wow because the music is the music is like is is the the like the loudness of the music is is like triggering a startle a startle reflex. Yeah. So so any Whoa. any uh, any l- loud or sudden noise will will make me jump or startle or spasm. So <clears throat> if if I can kind of do that and um, make something beautiful out of something that's 
<clears throat> so and, and convenient for me, then then why not? <laughs> Fuck yeah! What's, yeah what awesome. music do you use for that? Like, are we talking like heavy metal or, or what? Like or uh, some some T Swift or what? Are, what are we looking at? Here? <laughs> How gay do you think I am? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm not gay. I love this. No. <laughs> oh fuck! That was really funny. No, I I I I, I typically start with something and really like you know throwback like Nirvana mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. kind of work my way through their catalog and. And just kind of just let it go and see what happens. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Uh, uh, I mean, this is totally off off track here, but uh, did you watch? Speaking of Nirvana, did you watch during the pandemic? Uh, the it was like a like a one and a half hour um, charity stream that Post Malone did, where he covered uh, Nirvana the entire time. It was like a, a Nirvana tribute show. I know I missed it, but oh my god! I I heard good things. Oh my fuck! I'm gonna I'm gonna send you the link as soon as we're done here. It is yeah, please do. Phenomenal! It is so fucking good. Anyone out there who is a Nirvana fan has to listen to it, and anyone who's not a Post Malone fan has to listen to it, and it will immediately make you a Post Malone fan. He's he's that such is, a talent. That is awesome. Sweet. Just like if you watch um, F1, Drive to Survive. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah that's a little inside, uh, inside comment there. Um, David, I'm, I'm going uh, to ask you a question that we ask uh, a lot of our guests, uh, and it's a two-parter, so I'll start with the first one. What would you say is the biggest thing that Cerebral Palsy has taken away from you? Taken away from me? Um... Huh. <clears throat> um can I, can I dog shit out of this one and say nothing? Oh, sure. <laughs> be- yeah, sure. Be- because, I mean, because I don't, I don't know anything different. Mm. So mm-hmm. it's, it's hard for me to say, like, something's been wrong with me. Like, sure, but I've had to adapt over the years as, you know, circumstances change, but that's, no different for for mm. anybody else. Mm-hmm. Well, then uh, the second part might be a little easier. What would you say is the biggest thing cerebral palsy has given you? Um, uh, patience, for sure. Mm. To and to not be so um, self-deprecating if I can't do anything. Mm. Like if I if I'm having a a bad CP day. I I get so down on myself that you know <clears throat> that I can't um, you know open a <clears throat> a bottle of water for example and it, it <clears throat> it'll take me like <clears throat> an hour to open fucking water <laughs> <laughs> and like I, it shouldn't take you that long but it does so the the <clears throat> sooner that I kind of give into it and let it go, I, I kind of take away its power too. Mm-hmm. Well, David, I got to say, this has, been, uh, this has been a real memorable conversation for us. Uh, just an, an absolute pleasure to be able to sit down and talk to you today. I'm so glad we met 
And, um, and I know that when things get back to normal uh, or, you know, some version of normal, we will be back to traveling. And Calgary is one place that we are no stranger to. And I can't wait to get back in that city uh, so we can, we can do this face to face. I really do look forward to the t- time we get to meet in person. Yeah, man, and, and you guys are are truly amazing, and I, I feel honored that I was a, a part of your podcast today. So thank you for having me, and and uh, keep on being amazing because you guys are you're you're wicked. So thanks, thanks. man. Yeah, thanks, thanks a lot. David. This really means a lot. Mm-hmm. Likewise. Oh, yeah, baby. That was our conversation with David from Six Wheel Painting Co. And uh, again, go to the website, check out his art. Uh, it really is beautiful shit. Actually, in the middle of us recording, uh, Brian yeah. bought that piece, puzzle pieces that I was talking about. Uh, but wait, you don't want me to talk about that? Is that <laughs> why, are you, why are you shaking your head? It's because he canceled the order. Yeah, yeah. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he canceled the but I saw that David ordered some uh, Sick Boy merch too. What a he fucking did. beautiful, beautiful soul. Oh, that's yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. Merch, um, merch, buy merch. If you want, uh, if you want to get your own Sick Boy merch, uh, you can go to shop.sickboy. Uh, you know, I don't even fucking know what the link is, but go find it somewhere yep. on the internet. And, that was it. Uh, that was hey. it. Shop.sickboypodcast.com. And, oh, yeah. uh, and while you're at it, uh, head on over to sixwheelpaintingco.com and buy yourself a nice uh, wall painting that hopefully will have a piece to be up in the studio here soon. Uh, and other ways that you can support the podcast is by continuing to do what you do every week, which is tuning in either on Spotify, make sure you give us a follow, uh, listening over on Apple Podcasts, and make sure you leave a five-star rating and a review. No no less than five stars. If you are giving less than five stars, go fuck yourself. Uh, and tell and your fucking friends about the podcast, okay? Tell Jeez, your friends. What the fuck are you waiting for? Tell I mean, your loved guys, ones. You can, give, you can give a really... You can give like a one or two star one, but like make the review like comedic. Like, yeah, come on, be funny, be <laughs> yeah. funny about it. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, also, uh, um, uh, apparently, uh, we've got a really cool Patreon community. Um, and uh, if you're just curious about what that is, just go to patreon.com slash sickboy. Uh, all right, let's uh, move right along. Let's move it right along. And another, I mean, Jeremy was saying all the ways you can support the podcast. Another way that you can support the podcast is, I mean, I don't know, a lot of diehard, we, we, we actually polled our Patreon community the other night and a lot of them listen to our little rambles at the end here. And um, they're very familiar with our dear friend, Louise. And um, Louise is near and dear to our hearts because Louise lets us know. She lets us know when we fuck up. She's really adamant about letting us know. Okay? Guys, I think and the way that Louise really, lets us know I, I think she's is by really going upset. to letters at sickboypodcast.com. She sends us letters. She sends us letters and then we know. So if you want to let us she know. Does. She doesn't anymore. Dude, she doesn't, <laughs> doesn't anymore. But she, she used to before we started really fucking roasting her. Letters at sickboypodcast.com. You can send us your letters. And if you want to be a guest on the show, you can go to sickboypodcast.com slash contact and fill out the guest form. Yeah, that's a beautiful segue, Taylor, because uh, I, I was just about to thank all the people that make this show happen. And without people who give us constructive and critical feedback like Louise, we wouldn't be able to grow as individuals. So... We really appreciate you, Louise, and all of our other listeners who offer us critical and constructive feedback. But I do want to thank the people who make this show happen, like 
the one and only, the lovely Lauren Sankey, Taylor McGillery, Jeremy Saunders, and myself for hosting the show. Jeff Lonis, our manager, we love you. Donovan the Meerkat Morgan, thanks for the incredible sound design. You're a gem. And uh, to all the other folks who help with the other episodes, your 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 work does not go unnoticed. We mm, love you. Uh, all right, folks. Hope you enjoyed that. That is it for mm. this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.